Will you discover the secret of the pyramids? You are in Egypt to help your uncle Bruce with his scientific experiments. You are investigating a theory that the ancient pyramids possess strong mystical powers. You have just entered the Great Pyramid. An underground tunnel leads you to a dark and mysterious chamber. You are the first person to discover it. Is this a clue to the secret of the pyramids or a room of danger? If you decide to explore the chamber, turn to page 24. If you decide to get help from the men outside the pyramid, turn to page 90. What happens next in the story? It all depends on the choices you make. You might fall into the well of the ancients, or be trapped inside a cursed tomb. Or you might run into assassins, who are out to get you. How does the story end? Only you can find out. And the best part is that you can keep reading and rereading until you've had not one, but many incredibly daring experiences. You're the star of the story. Choose from 22 possible endings. Choose your own adventure, book 19, The Secret of the Pyramids, by Richard Brightfield, illustrated by Anthony Kramer. Welcome to uh, Incredibly Daring, a podcast where uh, we read vintage... Yes! Welcome to Incredibly Daring, a podcast where we read vintage choose-your-own-adventure books to each other and make generally poor decisions. I'm Jeremy. I'm Jason. Jillian. And uh, this is the very first book that we have read that has not been touched by Edward Packard or R.A. Montgomery or Paul Granger. Damn, I'm excited. Yeah, maybe. However, uh, this is the very first book that we have read that looks like it was drawn by a 12-year-old. No. It was illustrated by Anthony Kramer. Yes. You know what? We didn't like his last cover either. This is by far the worst fucking cover. By far the worst cover. No offense to Anthony Kramer, this is a terrible cover. Everything is out of proportion. These camel's heads are ridiculous. There's a gigantic snake, which I think it's just not proportioned in proportion to everything else, but its head is all messed up. There's guys, there's sheiks, or I don't know what they are, with fucking machine guns riding camels, and their camel's heads are all messed up. Terrorists. Yeah. There's <laughs> there's some chick climbing down a fucking water spout in a Where's Waldo outfit. Is she climbing on a water spout or hiding from that big-ass snake that's trying to go up her butt? Maybe, maybe she found Waldo. There's a fucking UFO in the fucking sky. There's well, a face and a brick wall. A, it's The UFO makes the most sense out of all of it, though. Probably, but it's if you go to stupendousourcebacks.com and look at the actual um, our entries for these, uh, for these episodes, we post the cover art for everything up there, too, so you can see all the cover art for all the books. This one is bad. It's bad. It's, it's really bad. bad. So, <laughs> and it's not like so bad. It's good. It's just bad. Yeah, it's just it's it's that guy you know that goes, yeah, I could draw, and then you draw something and you go, no, you really can't. But we're kind of stuck with you now. That lady that did the restoration of the of Jesus. the Jesus picture. Yeah, <laughs> that's what's going on here. Yeah, I don't even really know what this book is about. The pyramids and their secrets. Yeah, but it doesn't ever really give you any indication of what the secrets of the pyramid are supposed to be. Like, you're just, you're not looking for anything in specific. You're just looking for a secret, so. 
I don't have a lot of high hopes for this book, but I really do want to be fucking surprised by it. So, Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Richard Brightfield, this is your chance to... Shine. Shine like a bright field. Warning, do not read this book straight through from beginning to end. These pages contain many different adventures you can have in the land of the pyramids. Or Egypt, as normal people call it. From time to time, <laughs> as you read along, you will be asked to make a choice. Your choice may lead to success or disaster. The adventures you take are a result of your choices. You are responsible because you choose. After you make each choice, follow the instructions to see what happens to you next. Think carefully before you make a move. Any choice might be your last, or it may lead to the secrets of the pyramids. Good luck. And that might be our biggest clue. Good luck. No. <laughs> That's definitely not... <laughs> It may lead you to what was normally be fame or fortune. Right. But in this case, is the secret of the pyramids. Ooh. The secret. Well, I'd rather have fame and fortune. Sorry. Well, that's what I'm saying. The secret may be that it is fame and fortune there. Ooh. Page uno. You are relaxing. No. <laughs> you are not. I got stuck. You are... <laughs> <laughs> you are relaxing one afternoon after school when you get a phone call from your Uncle Bruce, a brilliant scientist and world traveler. I'm just in from Egypt, he says. I have to get some new equipment to continue my investigations of the pyramids. How would you like to go back with me for a few weeks? You have always envied Bruce, dashing off to exotic places in the Middle East and the Orient, sometimes vanishing for months at a time. It doesn't take you long to make up your mind to go. The next few days are a blur of preparations. Before you know it, you and Bruce are on a TWA jet heading for Rome on the first leg of the trip to Cairo. On the plane, your uncle explains his plan to place special instruments in a chamber under the center of the largest pyramid at Giza. He hopes to test the pyramid's effects on the paths of cosmic rays, rays made up of high-speed particles from space that usually penetrate deep into the ground. If my theory is correct, he says, these rays could be concentrated by the pyramid to produce an unlimited amount of energy. While Bruce is talking, you notice that a man nearby is straining to hear him. No doubt he's just curious. He is strange looking, though. In Rome, you change to an Egypt Air jet. You are startled to notice the same man from the other jet aboard your Cairo-bound plane. Yep. I will have lots of red tape to take care of at the airport when we land, says Bruce. Why don't you just breeze through customs and take a cab to the Star and Crescent Hotel, where we'll be staying? My assistant, Andrea... Why did I write it that way? <laughs> My assistant, Andrea, will be waiting there... <laughs> Jesus Christ. My assistant, Andrea, will be waiting there for you. She can get you settled in our room while my equipment is unloaded from the plane. As soon as you land, Bruce is off to the baggage area, leaving you alone in a foreign land. What a dick, dude. Yep. Jesus. As if that isn't enough, the stranger from the plane appears and hands you a small folded piece of paper, then dashes toward the taxi stand outside the terminal. Acid. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> that, that would be would amazing. Fix all of our problems. <laughs> Quickly, you unfold the note. Scrawled in red ink are the words, Beware the Sphinx. You've heard about the statue of the Sphinx next to the pyramids, but why should you beware of it? The thought occurs to you that Sphinx could be a code word and not refer to the actual Sphinx at all. <laughs> Why would that? 
You're in the place where the Sphinx is. Why would that be a code? Oh, seriously. Maybe the note is a meaningless hoax. Which is an even better thought. This kid, this Some kid dude followed you to Cairo. Over yeah. two planes. To punk you with a fake note and then run off. Oh my god. Yeah. On the other hand, it could spell danger for you and Bruce. You remember the time you felt an urge to get off a bus in your hometown, just before it was hit by a truck. Now you have a hunch that you should follow this man. If you try to follow him, turn to page 13. If you decide that it is wiser to go to your hotel, turn to page 4. Our friend already left us. I want to find out about the weird creep dude. Yeah, I mean, Bruce just kind of left us to do whatever in the city, so I, I say run after him. The strange man is already in a cab when you reach the stand in front of the terminal. You manage to jump into the next cab in line. Do you speak English, you ask? I... <laughs> Fucking fuck! I speak much English, meester. Oh, Lord. Oh, God. There we go. Literally spelled M-E-E-S-T-E-H-R. Nice. Meester. Nice. Thanks, the 80s. Good. Then follow that cab, you tell him. Your cab weaves in and out of the heavy traffic with its horn blaring constantly. Your driver just barely misses one car after another. However, he does manage to keep less than a block behind the other car. The fast-moving traffic slows to a snail's pace once you get into an older section of the city. The cab you are following stops, and the strange man steps out. You hand your driver a couple of American bills, hoping they cover your fare. Fortunately, the driver seems more than pleased as you leave the cab. You can barely see through the thick crowd, but you do catch a glimpse of the man you are following. He is entering what looks like a cafe. You push your way over to the entrance. Turn to page 37. The rhythmic beat of Middle Eastern music hits your ears as you go inside. There is a heavy smell of incense. A belly dancer sways in the center of the dance floor. You find a table off in a dim corner. You can't see the man you followed, but your eyes are still adjusting to the darkness. Turn to page 96. What if he's the Sphinx? And he was warning us to beware <laughs> of him, and now we're following him. <gasps> well, we might be screwed then. Mind blown. What if, what if the text from page thirty-seven and ninety-six all fit on the same page, and then you didn't have to fucking flip from one to the next? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A waiter brings you a long-handled pot containing thick, strong coffee. He pours it ceremoniously into a small porcelain cup. It tastes somewhat bitter, but not too bad. You sip it slowly as you watch the dancing. Is it your imagination, or does the dancer keep da- glancing in your direction? The music grows louder. The lights get brighter. You can't seem to focus your eyes. Your arms and legs feel like lead, and you can't move them. You feel dizzy. You feel like you're passing out. Yep, he was the Sphinx. Rufy Colada. <sighs> you... Fuck me. I think she would. I don't know like <laughs> what is going on with the proportions of her body, but they are very fucking weird. Yeah. So we're looking at a picture of the dan- belly, belly dancer, dancer, apparently, and she is... Awful. Uh, yeah, she's pretty hideous. You wake up to find yourself lying on an iron cot in a small storeroom. You sit up and try to move and find that one ankle is chained to the bed. Gradually, your eyes become accustomed to the darkness. There's a small window high above you on the wall, and through it you can see a crescent moon shining. You can hear the beat of the music you heard in the cafe. You sit there in the half-darkness, 
trying to figure out how to pick the ancient looking padlock that secures the chain to your ankle. The door to the room opens slightly, throwing a shaft of light inside. It's bright enough for you to recognize the dancer from the cafe. Quietly, she closes the door and whispers in your ear. My name is Serena. I will help you escape. She inserts a long, thin bar into the padlock on your ankle. The lock snaps open. Here, quickly, she says. Stand on my shoulders and climb out the window. It leads to a rooftop. I will pull myself up and follow. You want to go with her, but you have no idea who this woman is and where she might be leading you. She could be getting you into a worse situation. You look at the window high up on the wall and then at the open door in front of you. If you decide to accept Serena's help, turn to page 73. If you don't trust her and try to escape through the door, turn to page 104. Considering she just let us out of the freaking lock, I mean, why would we not trust her? That's like worse situation than being locked yeah. in this weird bed. So I mean, I feel like we should trust her, but I kind of want to see what the hell happens when we run out the yeah, door, but I she, think it would be bad. She probably has some answers for us, too. Yeah. You want to go with her? Yeah, I feel, yeah like me we, too. I feel like if we ran out the door, we'd just get caught again. You decide you can trust Serena to help you escape. She slides the iron cot over to the door, wedging it closed. And just in time, you hear loud, angry voices on the other side as someone bangs and struggles to get in. You and Serena jump onto the cot. Her lift sends you sailing through the window. Sailing. Flat rooftops stretch in all directions. North, northwest, west. <laughs> Are you serious? No. Okay. God. <laughs> it's just the stupidest thing that I've ever read. It's all. Yeah, I'm no. sorry. Yeah. Flat rooftops stretch in all directions lit with a silvery light from the moon. You turn to help Serena climb up, but she is already beside you. Quickly, to the other end of the roof, she, she orders. You dash across the roof. They're coming after us, she shouts. Jump across to the other roof. You look across and then down. You can't tell how many stories the drop is, but it looks like a long way down. The gap seems terrifyingly wide. Can you make it if you jump? If you decide to jump, turn to page 103. If you decide to take a chance with the people who are after you, Turn to page 108. I want to jump. Jump. Yeah. Let's jump. We're dead. God damn it. He is already smirking. Yep. He's smirking. We died. You might as well take a chance and try to jump. You step back a few feet, make a short run, and take a flying leap to the other roof. You manage to grab the edge with your hands as you slip down along the the side of the building. You struggle to pull yourself up. You're about to lose your grip when a strong arm grabs you by the wrist and heaves you onto the roof. It's Serena. Wow, you exclaim. Are all belly dancers as strong as you are? Wow. I was trained to be an acrobat by my family, she says, before I was kidnapped by the evil gang that owns the cafe. Why haven't you tried to escape before, you ask? I have, she says, but it's not that easy. They control this quarter of Cairo completely. Now my family has discovered where I am and has arranged my escape, but you will see. We must hurry. I hear someone coming. Turn to page 110. And this is what I was smirking about what the hell yeah okay these illustrations are just bad like that's all i'm gonna say like i'm really sorry anthony kramer whatever the fuck your name is these illustrations are bad yeah these are probably the worst ones we've seen yes they are. Yep. Yep. like even on the other book he did they weren't good but they were better than this yeah this is uh it's a picture of serena trying you you're hanging from the side of the roof and Serena's trying to pull you up onto the roof, but the perspective on it is so bad that it looks like she's trying to pull you over a curb. 
Yeah. It's just terrible. So, page 110. Serena leads you down a long flight of stairs. You follow her through passageways that are so narrow you can barely squeeze through. Sometimes you can hear shouting nearby and see the flickering beams of flashlights searching the dark corners where you were standing only seconds before. Finally, in a narrow alley, Serena stops and listens for a few moments. See that donkey cart? (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. See that donkey cart over there, she whispers? It's from my village. I've arranged for it to meet me here. I will crawl into the bottom of it, watch how I do it, then follow. There is just room enough for you to squeeze into the cart. Serena arranges the straw over the two of you and then signals to the driver with a low whistle. The cart starts off. You go through narrow alleyways, then down larger streets. Gradually, the the street noise dies away, and you guess that you are outside the city. I think we are safely away from our pursuers, says Serena. If you wish, you may find your way from here. If you continue with me to my village, you will be welcome there. If you decide to get out of the cart, turn to page 84. If you decide to continue on to Serena's village, turn to page 114. Village? I kind of want to go to the village, but, I mean, we're kind of getting off track from the whole uh, hanging out with Uncle and discovering the secret of the pyramids. You he know? ditched us. He's dead to me. Okay. I'm just kidding. I, I'm, I'm, Do you want to go get out of the cart? I'll go to the village if, uh, I mean, I'm interested in it, but yeah. So are we getting out of the cart? I said let's go to the village. All right, let's yeah. go to the village. Okay. You don't really know where you are. It might be safer to go all the way to Serena's village. You ride for another few hours. There's utter silence except for the clip-clop of the donkey's hooves and the creak of the wheels. You drift off to sleep. Sometime later, Serena shakes you gently. We are here at my village and with my people. You crawl out of the cart. Dawn is just breaking. You are near a field. In the center, you see a large bonfire. Around the fire are hundreds of figures in white turbans and white robes. They are chanting in unison. It's an eerie sound. Mm-hmm. Then the figures rise and begin to move together around the fire in a strange, slow dance, rolling their heads and chanting, Allah, Allah, ah, ah. The hypnotic effect of the dancing draws you in, and you join the circle. You stay with Serena's people, one of the many tribes of dervishes, for several days while she manages to get word secretly to Bruce that you are safe. At last, Bruce and Andrea arrive at the village. Thank goodness you're all right, says Bruce. Andrea and I followed your trail to the cafe. The police raided the place and uncovered a nest of foreign agents codenamed Sphinx. But by then, you were gone. Later, when we returned to the hotel, we found Serena's note telling us where you were. Unfortunately, I had to tell your parents that you were missing. (laughs) Unfortunately. They have been very worried. I guess you'd better catch a plane home and show them that you are really all right. I'm sorry you had only one day in Egypt. He didn't. He had multiple Yeah, we've lived there for days. like two months now, right? It says three paragraphs up. You stay with Serena's people, one of the many tribes of dervishes, for several days. Several days. While she manages to get word. Do they not live in Egypt? Is that what is being implied? Back in the States, whenever you see the dawn... You think of those white-robed figures chanting their hymn to the first light of day. You weren't in Egypt very long, but it was an adventure you'll never forget. The end. I feel like I'm going to forget it. Yeah, I feel like 
I was super excited about a new author, and now I'm not. Do you want to just want to get out of the cart? Where, uh, Do you want to not trust Serena? I'd, I'd say get out of the cart. Yeah, let's get out of the cart and see what happens. All right. Page 84. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> you get caught. Okay, uh, you decide not to get out of the cart. Page 84. You're anxious to get to the hotel to find Bruce and Andrea. You feel you cannot go to Serena's village. You thank Serena for her help and slip out of the cart. Where are you? The pale moon lights up in an eerie landscape. Stretching in every direction are small buildings, all deserted. You wander up and down the silent streets until you finally see a group of people huddled in front of a small fire. The night is cool, and they gesture for you to join them. You stay with them until dawn. With the light of day, you realize that you are in a very large cemetery. Those small buildings must be tombs. You're not sure of the way out, but you pick a direction and keep going. Finally, you reach a small store just out the, outside the cemetery. You find a telephone and call Bruce at the hotel. Bruce, you begin. I'm in the store just outside a huge cemetery, where all the tombs are miniature buildings, and I know exactly where it is, says Bruce. Just sit tight until I get there. I'm leaving right away. In the cab on the way back to the hotel, you are almost relieved when Bruce tells you that he has to rush back to the States on urgent business and that you and he are booked on the next flight to New York. Then. Boo. Really? Really. That was lame. Yeah. It's, I, I don't know. If we go back, I'd say go all the way back and just uh, don't follow the creepy guy. Yeah, maybe don't follow the creepy guy. Don't follow the creepy guy. All right. There's no telling what kind of trouble you might get into if you just run after, if you just run off after this guy without really knowing where you are going. You toss your bag into the back of a cab. Star and Crescent Hotel, you tell the driver. When you arrive, Andrea is waiting for you in the lobby. She helps you check in. The bellboy insists on carrying your bag, even though you are traveling light. As you leave the elevator and head for your room, you could swear that the door, which was slightly ajar, closed as you approached. Maybe it was the wind, but the air seems very still. And after that warning note at the airport, you don't want to take any chances. Wait, you say. I don't want this room. I don't like the location. The bellboy looks confused, and Andrea seems shocked. You haven't had a chance to tell her about the note. I'll explain later, you tell Andrea. Right now, I'm going back down to the lobby to ask for a different room. But at the check-in desk, the clerk will not listen to you. What will you do? If you threaten to go to another hotel unless the clerk changes your room, Turn to page 32. If you decide you're imagining things and let the clerk talk you into taking your original room, turn to page 36. I say we make him new if we want. Yeah, we're guests. We get our way. I own you. Well, I mean, this isn't America. The customer is always right. Try pulling that shit with the Mexican cartels. (laughs) Your threat of going to another hotel seems to do the trick. The clerk sighs and mutters something about tourists. Nevertheless, (laughs) Nevertheless, <laughs> he directs the porter to carry your bag to a new room. What is this all about? asks Andrea. I'm not sure myself, but a man at the airport handed me a warning note. If we are in danger, changing our room may throw our pursuer off. Or at least show him we are on our guard. Well, I think this is a lot of nonsense, Andrea says. Your new suite consists of two small rooms with a connecting door. The first room is windowless. The second has a small window covered by a screen of very elaborate grill work. Andrea's room is on the other side of the hotel, not far from your original room. Bruce arrives a short time later. 
You tell him about the warning note and explain why you've changed rooms. Splendid, he exclaims. <laughs> what? <laughs> you must always follow your hunches. Aye, aye, aye. Especially when danger is involved. Ooh. And now I suggest we go out on the town for the evening. You don't want to miss the Sahara Club and its famous belly dancers. It is very late when you get back to the hotel. You are weary from the plane trip and the experiences of the day. You fall asleep instantly. Bruce is in the adjoining room. At dawn, something startles you awake. You hear sounds of a struggle in Bruce's room. Quick as a cat, you spring out of bed and run to the door. It is suddenly very quiet in the next room. Bruce, are you all right? You call through the door. There is no answer. You throw open the door. Bruce is gone. The room is a mess. Sheets trail across the floor as if the struggle had taken place. In several places, there are drops of blood. The screen covering the window has been pushed in. There are more spots of blood on the windowsill and on the small ledge outside. You look down. There's a four-story drop to the street. You rush back into your room and throw on some clothes, then back to the window. It is a bit lighter now. Dawn is just breaking. On the street, you see two men loading a large basket into the back of an old panel truck. From this height and in the still dim light, you, can be, you can't be sure, but something tells you that one of them is the stranger who gave you the note. You also have a strong suspicion that your uncle is in the basket. How did they get him down to the street? The ledge outside the window extends only a short distance on either side. There are no other windows nearby, but there are several small balconies on the second and third floor. There's also a drain pipe on one side of the ledge. Maybe you could slide down the drain pipe to the nearest balcony and then climb down to the street. You're in a panic. What should you do? If you decide to risk climbing down the side of the building, turn to page 17. If you decide to get the police, turn to page 59. How about we walk down the fucking stairs like a normal human being? It's not an option. Obviously, we have to drain pipe it. Yeah, we got uh, to. Because it's on the cover of the book. It's on the cover. We're going to have to drain pipe that shit. All right. You slide down the drain pipe to the balcony below and then begin to lower yourself to the street. You try not to look down. Carefully, you reach around with your foot for whatever foothold you can find sticking out of the building. It is easier than you expected. Finally, you make it down to the street. You can still see the truck, it's only a block away, stuck in traffic. You push your way through the crowded street as fast as you can to catch up to it. Out of breath, you reach the back of the truck. You jump on and struggle with the doors. They fly open suddenly and you fall back onto the street, banging your knee. Hopping painfully on one leg, you get up and pull yourself into the truck. Apparently, I don't know how doors work. Yeah. The truck jerks to a stop. The kidnappers must have heard the door open. They reach the back of the truck just as you are trying to open the basket. One of the men is a hulking brute. The other man is the one you saw on the plane and in the airport. They have you boxed in. No use calling for help. No one can hear you over the noise outside. You must save yourself and Bruce. Your instincts take over as you reach for a short length of pipe on the floor of the truck and lunge at the larger of the two men. You hit his hand with the pipe. He backs off, howling with pain, and you jump out of the truck. But where's the other man? Wham! He gets you from behind. (laughs) Wham. That's what it always sounds like when I get from behind. (laughs) Okay. Wake me up before you go. Oh, Lord. (laughs) You wake up bound hand and foot in a small compartment. You can tell you're on board an airplane from the sound of the vibrations. Your uncle is tied up next to you. He has a wide, blood-stained bandage around his head. Where are we, you ask? And who are these people? 
I'm not positive, but my suspicion is that we've been kidnapped by the infamous Dr. Ta. Dr. Ta, who is that, you ask? But Bruce has no time to answer. The plane is landing. The door of the small compartment opens. He seems like you have plenty of time to fucking answer that question. Yeah, dude. that's what I was thinking. Three men grab you and Bruce by the ankles. <laughs> and suddenly you hear banjos. <laughs> mm, wake me up. Oh, no, Lord. <laughs> Three men grab you and Bruce by the ankles and pull you out of the plane, dumping you on the ground like two sacks of potatoes. You look around. You're at one end of a long, narrow, sandy island. Bare except for a few palm trees and a large pyramid-shaped building. Down the beach, there's a pier with a motor launch moored to it. What is a motor launch? Type of boat. Mm, I've never heard of it. Okay. One of the men cuts the ropes on your feet and wrists, then does the same for Bruce. More men appear carrying rifles. All right, one of the mortars. You two march toward the building over there. As you walk, you realize just how large the pyramid building is. Though clearly not a solid structure like the ancient pyramids, it has rows of windows of various heights. It is still 20 or 30 stories high. A large mast of some sort rises from the top. The mast is bent sideways to a crazy angle. An electronically controlled door slides open at the base of the pyramid, and you are pushed inside. Take them to the throne room, you hear one of the guards order. The throne room is a large circular hall surrounded by ornate columns, decorated in the style of ancient Egypt. Ah, my friends, sit over here by the fountain, says a short man wearing a large turban overloaded with jewels and multicolored feathers. I'm so glad you've accepted my invitation to visit. What? I see that you two appear to have bumped your heads together. Most unfortunate. I'll see to it that my infirmary looks at your injuries. I can do without your infirmary, says Bruce. The only thing I want is a ride out of here. All in good time, all in good time. First, I must explain to you that I am Ta direct descendant of the pharaohs. I am here to complete their work. I intend to conquer the world. Ooh. And just how do you plan to pull off that little feat, asked Bruce. Uncle Bruce is kind of a sassy motherfucker, isn't he? Yeah, he's he a is. secret Indiana Jones. Oh, uh, could be. With your help, of course, Professor. Several Russian scientists were on the verge of completing a particle beam ray gun. By various means, I have had them brought here. They have almost completed their work, and now, with you to help them, they will be done in no time at all. When it is finished, the ray will be directed at a mirror on a space platform that I have already placed in orbit around the Earth. I will then be able to bounce the ray back to any point on Earth, utterly destroying the targets that I choose. If you refuse to help me, you will be imprisoned in the space platform. I give you exactly one hour to make up your mind. The guards take you and Bruce to a small room with barred windows and lock you in. If you and Bruce pretend to go along with Ta in order to play for time, turn to page 11. If you think that you should try to escape without delay, turn to page 111. I want to escape. Yeah. Let's get out of here. Even if we seem to be cooperating, you say, Ta will finish us off as soon as we stop being useful to him. I think you're right, says Bruce. When the guards come for us, we'll jump them. I don't think they expect us to fight back. It might take them by surprise. At least we won't be giving up without a struggle, you say. The guards are taken by surprise. The fight is brief and furious, but there are just too many of them. The guards overpower you and drag you back to Ta. Take them to the other end of the island, he shouts. Again, you are tied up and carried off. You are taken to the other end of the island, 
where a rocket is ready to blast off to resupply Ta's orbital space station. You and Bruce are dumped into a small compartment in the rocket. You are already working your hands free as you blast off. The crew is going to be too busy for a while to bother about us, you say. If we can break out of this compartment and get the jump and get the jump on them, maybe we can take over the ship. Then we can put Ta's space station out of action for good. You know that you'll need a lot of luck to get out of this situation. A lot more than you're likely to get. The end. Oh my god. I'm, I'm fine with that. That's yeah. you know, I'm I'm that is such bad. It's bad. I it's so bad. Uh, it went to a Indiana Jones James Bond thing at the end there. Yes, so it did. I'm, it did. I wish it had gotten there quicker. I know. Like, like the only reason I pushed for you to like try a different ending, try a different ending, was because all those other endings were just stupid. Yeah, the other endings were blah. blah. And you go home. You went home. And you go home. And you go home. Yep. Yeah. So that's the only reason I did that. But then, then it just seemed <laughs> to drag on and drag on, and then finally, super secret James Bond, Indiana Jones, blah blah, whatever. But that was. Yeah, uh, Richard Brightfield does a thing where he takes you to a lot of pages that have, like, a small block of text, and then that leads you directly to another page without any choice on it. Yeah. And that small block of text could have just fit on the other page. Yeah. And it's it feels like I've there's a lot that. of wasted I've, pages I've in seen book. that a few times in some of the other books, too, but mm-hmm. not as often as I think that book is doing yeah. it. Yeah, it feels like there's a lot of wasted pages in this book. I think Especially it, when you have an ending like that, when you have, when you could be fighting Dr. Ta in his space station. Why are you wasting so many pages on crap when yeah. you could be getting to that? Yeah, I kind of so. think uh, they loved Anthony Kramer's artwork so much. <laughs> they, wanted, they just wanted to make hey, sure yeah. that they got those half-page images of you know, Total shit. His art. I mean, his yeah. art. Yeah, yeah. So, not a great start for Richard Brightfield. Uh, not a great continuation of Anthony Kramer. In fact, this is a step backwards for Anthony Kramer, as far as I can tell. Yeah, the not- other book that we saw before was, uh, I mean, it was not well illustrated, but it was better than this. Yeah. So... Uh, I I give a pass on this one. I mean, it has potential, but I I think we just we ran into too much like boring stuff, and I'm afraid that the rest of the book is just filled with crap like that. Yeah. So I can't recommend it. Yep, I'd have to hard hard pass. Oh, hard pass. This is not. All right. This is kind of a bummer too, because I was I was a little pumped to get a new author. Yeah. yeah. But this is not well, a good introduction to it, his work. It, it kind of made me not care about the secret of the pyramid. Yeah. 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 Oh, I didn't care about it anyway. So the secret of the pyramid is it's full of fucking weird ass artwork. Yeah, <laughs> that's worth nada. Um, Edward Packard uh, had kind of a rough start too with like the Cave of Time wasn't yeah. terribly great, and R.A. Montgomery is notoriously bad at the beginning of our run. He got better the he's last got, three he's books. He's gotten a lot better. Yeah, he was notoriously bad. So there's still, I mean, I don't know how many more books Richard Brightfield. Uh, contributed. <laughs> I'm assuming this is it. <laughs> it's possible, but uh, there's still potential here if he if he's done any any more. That felt like a lame lame way to say that, but I don't 
I don't care right now. <laughs> if you'd like to check out some more Choose Your Own Adventure books, uh, you can check those out at cyoa.com. Uh, if you'd like to check out our stuff, you can do that at stupendosaurusrex.com. And I'm Jeremy. I'm Jason. Still Jillian. And later, guys. An underground tunnel leads you to a dark and mysterious chamber. You are the first person to discover it. Is this a clue to the secret of the pyramids or a room of danger? Danger. Sorry, I feel like he's heckling you, and I love it. Yes, I know. <laughs> because he knows this fucking sucks. That's why I'm going to make him edit this fucking episode. <laughs> if you decide to explore the chamber, turn to page 24. <laughs> Let's go ahead and get out. <laughs> okay, we're good.